Hey y'all, welcome back. Um, I know this audio might sound a little different. I'm currently back at home in Nevada and I forgot to bring my microphone, which is fine, but um, what I record on requires you to have some sort of input. It won't just let you use your computer. And I thought it would, but it doesn't. So I'm using my AirPods, which won't come off of noise canceling mode. So I can't really hear myself talk. Um, but we're going to give this a go, and I'm really excited because today I'm going to be talking about diet culture and kind of how it relates back to type 1. And I know this is um, what I've been talking about doing for a while, so I'm kind of excited to jump into it. But before we begin, I'm going to start with highs and lows. Um, so I have a couple highs and a couple lows. So my highs have been um, definitely my working out schedule. Um, it's been pretty consistent, which is also pretty easy to do when you're back at home on break. So that's been really awesome kind of honing in on um, staying consistent with that. And I've also been working a lot harder at lifting heavier versus just focusing on um, cardio and, you know, lifting whatever. Um, And I've been seeing results. So I'm really excited about that. That's definitely been a big thing for me. So yeah, that's definitely a high. Um, also, another high, I am going to the TCU Fiesta Bowl Championship on New Year's Eve, and I'm so excited. We're playing Michigan, and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but I'm putting good vibes into the air, and I think we have a really good fighting chance. Um, and we have a lot of heart in our team, so I don't know. I'm feeling good, so we'll see. But I'm really excited to go to Arizona and hang out with the family and my friends and watch TCU play. This is awesome for us. So I'm excited. Um, so yeah, those are my two highs. And then my two lows, and I only added this low in because it kind of is in the same realm of the podcast topic, but also very different. Um, let me explain. So I don't know why this happens. My family knows this happens to me every single year. And it's every year between October to like December-ish. Um, I will go through a week where I will wake up and I will look at food and feel so nauseous. Like I cannot get myself to eat anything or I will. And it'll be like a task to try to finish whatever food it is. And I'm not sick and I love food. (laughs) Like I love food. So I don't know what it is. And I flew home from Texas about a week ago. And right when I landed, it was like starting to happen. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just jet lagged. And then like as the days went on, it kept on happening. And I was like, what the heck is wrong with me? Like, it was so sad. Um, Christmas Eve, my parents made like this, this like yummy egg, um, breakfast. And I like, I just, I couldn't do it. I had like one egg and I didn't eat anything till dinner and eating Christmas dinner was a job. I, it was something else. (laughs) Um, but then I woke up Christmas morning and I'm completely fine again. And I'm like eating and like everything's completely back to normal and I don't feel sick. So I don't know why that happens. It happens to me once a year for like a few days, always between October to December. I don't know what it is. If someone knows what it is, please let me know and how I can fix that. Um, but yeah, so that was just interesting. Um, another low. So actually, I'm not going to say the timeline because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I was getting my BLS certification this month, and um, that's just like your CPR and AED certification. I need it for nursing school, and I went to take the class. I went through a specific organization, um, and 
I just wasn't very impressed. <laughs> I went there and there was an iPad mini taped to the wall. And that's where my instruction was through. I was like zooming with a instructor and there was a couple other people with me. And I'm just going to say a couple of those people should not have been certified. It was very scary to watch. And I'm not trying to be mean. Like, it's actually really upsetting to me to think that like these people will be in charge of codes one day and they're not going to know how to do it. Like, I just don't think that's funny. I don't think that's funny at all. Like, especially with nursing school, like, I can confidently say I have never cheated on an exam or, like, certifications. Like, you're in charge of people's lives, and I take that very seriously, and it was just really upsetting to see at this specific place. Like, they were just kind of throwing out the certification like free candy, and I was like, okay, it's all fun and games until this person's, you know, in charge of a code. So I just thought that was really interesting. Um, From a healthcare perspective, I was not very happy about that um but yeah just kind of interesting as you grow up and go through everything but um hoping for the best for those people but yeah so those were my two highs and lows um anyways let's get into it um as I said we're talking about diet culture today and kind of how it relates back to type 1 diabetics in particular um so I kind of separated this into three different categories um And that's diabetic diet culture, social diet culture, and scientific diet culture. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to get started. I'm going to start with diabetic diet culture, um, specifically starting with newly diagnosed um, diabetics. I know I've talked about this in other podcasts. I know it's on my website as well, Um, but... 80% of type 1 diabetics, just type 1 diabetics, which is not a huge population in our world, 80% have an eating disorder. And I'm very blessed that I'm not in that percentage. Um, But like, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, it's really hard. It's, it's hard to know that. And I, I can see why there would be. Um, And it's, you know, type 1 diabetes in general, there's so much stigma around it. And um, it just sucks that that has to be another thing added to the pile, um, but I could see where it would happen. So specifically, like I was saying with newly diagnosed um, kids or whoever, a lot of people will develop an eating complex, not, I'm trying to figure out, I probably should have figured this out before I started the podcast, um, how to explain this, not because how you would typically think you develop a complex, it's more so, um, you know, you're diagnosed with something and you're like, okay, especially type one, you're diagnosed and they're like, okay, you know, sugar is going to spike your blood sugar. Insulin's going to bring it back down. So do you think a cheese stick would be a smarter option to eat right now or a piece of cake? And obviously a type one diabetic can have both. That's something I stress in all of my podcasts. Um, but it would be easier to have the cheese stick. So I think especially being a newly diagnosed diabetic, especially if you're old enough to kind of understand what's going on um it'd be so easy to develop a complex and I was just thinking about that today and it made me really sad um I saw something on Instagram today a type 1 account and it um posted a picture of their blood sugar and it was a little high and they're like hey just a gentle reminder after the holidays like you're allowed to have high blood sugar and you're allowed to eat nutritious foods and it's not something I have personally ever thought about um But 
it's something I understand and I kind of go about it in a different way and it kind of made me take a step back and kind of like analyze what I do. Like obviously (laughs) most of our blood sugars are probably not absolutely perfect during the holiday season. Um, I know my blood sugar was riding a little higher the past couple days, which isn't awesome, but it's just kind of the way it is. Um, And, you know, I did wake up today and kind of think about, okay, you know, the past three days, my blood sugar has been in the twos. I'd like to get it back down to the ones. So I'm going to do that by giving insulin 30 minutes beforehand if I'm going to eat something with um, like a high sugar carb ratio or, you know, I'm going to be um, extra cognizant of how I work out today because I know that different workouts affect my body differently. Um, but then to see that post and think about, okay, yeah, some people are probably thinking like, Hey, my blood sugar was high the past three days. I probably shouldn't or don't deserve to eat this Christmas dinner or have this cookie. And I'm going to, and not in like a eating disorder way. Um, but like, you know, it's it's really a, it's a hard topic to talk about. Um, not in a disordered way, but more just saying like, hey, I want to be healthy. I see this is my numbers, and this is how my numbers have been, and this is how I want to be proactive. And I think it can really be confusing trying to combat those numbers in a healthy way. Um, yeah, it's it's just kind of confusing. So I just thought that was really interesting. That's not really something I've ever thought about before, but definitely newly diagnosed. Um, children and, and adults, um, kind of developing a complex about that. It's hard. It's a lot to think about. And honestly, it's easier to not have, you know, high carb, um, food, but it's something our body needs. So yeah, I don't know. I think I, that was really interesting as I was researching today. Um, and then another thing that relates back to diabetic diet culture is um, being compared to type 2 diabetics. And before I go into that, I do want to say that not all type 2 diabetics get diabetes from eating too much sugar. There's some things like genetics that go into it or, you know, there's so many other factors um, to type 2 diabetes. And it's not always just eating sugar. So I know that they get a lot of stigma as well. Um, But specifically just for this podcast um, right now, I just wanted to kind of talk about being compared to type 2 diabetes because, um, you know, the stigma is you eat too much sugar, you get diabetes, and diabetes is kind of an all-encompassing term, and it sucks, and we're all trying to, you know, spread awareness, but, you know, there's only so much you can do, and if people want to learn that, it's so awesome, but some people don't, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, it can be hard being compared to type 2 diabetes, and when I say that, one of the things that comes to mind is like... I remember growing up, um, my friends or just schoolmates' parents would like bring in cookies or cupcakes or whatever for a birthday and they would bring me an apple. And I know I've talked about this in other episodes too. And I'd be like, oh, hey, I can eat that. And they'll be like, no, 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 you're diabetic. Like, remember you're diabetic. You can't have sugar. And I know they always mean well, always, they always meant well, but you know, especially as a younger kid, that was kind of a hard thing to go through. Um, all your friends are eating cupcakes and you know you can have the cupcake and you're kind of forced not to because there's this little education gap, which sucks. So I find myself growing up, even even then, um, you know, wanting to eat the cupcake and like show people like, hey, I, I can eat this. So like that feeling of wanting to eat more things in front of people just so they can see that you can eat it um, was definitely a tough thing growing up. Um, 
or the exact opposite might happen. It just kind of depends how you feel that day. Maybe, you know, parent brings in the cupcake, they bring you an apple, they say, you cannot eat this. And you just kind of shut down about it. And you're like, why? Like, why the heck me? And like, it's a sucky mindset to have. And I, I hope no one has it. But, you know, it's an easy thing to fall into, especially if you're having a tough day. Um, and I think it happens to all of us. So yeah, I don't know. That whole all-encompassing diabetic term, especially growing up, um, was a difficult thing to go through. And I think it's still difficult for a lot of people. So, you know, that's why I always say, you know, give yourself grace, give others grace. Um, yeah, it's hard kind of combating a stigma. So that's something that kind of came to mind talking about diabetic diet culture. Um, yeah. And I think that's about all I have for that one. So moving on to social diet culture, um, specifically in college is what I'm going to talk about. Um, one of the first things that I noticed when I first got to college, I'm a junior now, but especially as a freshman, um, it was like a big accomplishment for girls to not eat and then go out. And they would talk about it after and it'd be like, this huge, awesome, like, accomplishment for them. And that was so unhealthy, especially as a type 1 diabetic to see because, you know, if you go out and, I mean, it's unhealthy for everybody, but if you go out and I'm going to call it happy juice and you have some happy juice, maybe too much happy juice, and you can't get your blood sugar up and you need to call an ambulance or something, they're going to give you glucagon, which goes to your liver, which is supposed to, you know, help with extra stores from your liver, all the sugar flow into your body and make your blood sugar go up again, it's not going to work because your liver is going to be, you know, working on all that happy juice. The glucagon's not going to work. So I just think, I mean, like at what cost? Like at, at what cost? Like just have some dinner or like a bar, like something. I don't know. So that was, you know, interesting, um, especially my freshman year kind of looking at from an outside perspective and, you know, having to really remind myself like, Hey, we're in a different boat here. We're going to have some dinner and it's all going to be fine. <laughs> like everything's going to be fine. Um, so yeah, but it's, it's really a safety thing, especially for type ones. So, um, yeah, that was a, a big social diet culture thing. Um, I wanted to bring up, um, also, that hyper-focus on body image in college, I think, has been a big thing, which kind of goes back to what I was just talking about with um, girls going out, but I wanted to bring it around the perspective of especially wearing medical devices, such as insulin pumps, um, and I still have to remind myself to this day, like, depending on what I do, I will put my pump in certain areas. Like, my arm, it's going to be out of the way, so if I'm working out a lot, I'm going to wear it on my arm. Um, my stomach is really comfy. And if I'm going to fly back home, let's say from Texas, it's really easy to show, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the word right now. <laughs> security, security in the airport. Um, it's easy to pull up your shirt and be like, oh, hey, I have an insulin pump, you know? Um, so it's great that you can move your devices around based on what you're doing, but you also need to do that in a healthy way because sometimes I did find, especially my freshman year, um, not wanting to wear my pump on my stomach because it made it look like I had like a bump on my stomach or like, you know, just different things like that. That shouldn't matter. Like, girl, you have an insulin pump. You are so lucky to have an insulin pump. Like how lucky are we to live in today's day and age where we get to wear a medical device and we don't have to do shots or 
you know, whatever else. Um, so yeah, just definitely as a college student, I think, um, type one social diet culture is tough and interesting and, um, important to be aware of. So yeah, I think those are the two things I've really noticed, um, in college with that. And then moving on to scientific diet culture, I'm not going to go too far into this because I did go far into it on an episode and I think it was mind body balance. I could be totally wrong though, so I'm not going to say that. I don't know why I think that's where I talked about um, the keto diet, but anyways, I'll just go into it briefly, but I know I did talk about the keto diet in another episode um, and how that can contribute to insulin resistance and then carbohydrate sensitivity or hypersensitivity really. Um, but the way I think about it is if you take anything out of your diet, like a large portion of something that you've been having for a long time, such as like carbs, like a low carb diet. If I decided tomorrow, like, Hey, I'm going to go on a low carb diet, um, low carb diet, and I'm not going to eat any bread or juices or whatever. I'm just going to eat, you know, meats and cheeses and whatever else is low carb, um, specific veggies, um, to bring my blood sugar down or, you know, for whatever reason you're wanting to do a low carb diet. Um, taking anything out of your diet is going to affect the sugar in your blood. And that's just the way it is. Um, so that's great if you're going to do that for a long period of time. Um, but if you introduce something back into your diet, and I'm not just talking about like a day of low carb diet or whatever, I'm talking about like a long period of time to where like such as keto diet, you get into your ketoacidosis or whatever, and, um, you decide, Hey, this isn't for me. I'm going to switch back. When you switch back, you are not only going to be hypersensitive to that sugar and it's going to spike you more so than it would have when you weren't on the diet. Um, you might also have some insulin resistance from that low carb diet because you weren't giving insulin. And I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not a scientist and I talked about it way better in my last episode when I had my facts in front of me. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a college girl and I'm not studying, you know, nutrition or anything, but that is something I'm kind of passionate about talking about and I really believe in. So, um, yeah, I think it's hard, especially nowadays, there's so many diets going around and maybe some of them are healthy. I don't know. But I just personally think if you take a large portion of something out of your diet, your body is going to react, especially the sugar in your blood, because that's, you know, insulin turns your sugar into energy. Um, so of course, it's going to affect the way your insulin affects your body. So I don't know. That's always something I've um, thought about, especially in college. Um, I kind of like the 80-20 rule. You know, 80% of the time, you just focus on eating healthy and 20% of the time, treat yourself. So yeah, but take that with a grain of salt because um, obviously I'm not qualified to be talking about those things, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, and that was a lot quicker than I thought it would be, but that's about all I have to talk about with diet culture and type 1 diabetes. Um, and I'm so happy I finally got to talk about it. I know I've been wanting to talk about it for a while, so I thought that'd be a good one going into the new year. Hopefully I post this before the new year. This might be my last episode of 2022. That's kind of crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, I hope everyone has a great new year and cross your fingers for TCU. I'm so excited. Um, and I wish you guys nothing but good blood sugars. So as always, um, you can find more about what I do in the podcast on at always Allie pod on Instagram. 
and um, typicaltype1.org for my website, which will very soon be changing to alleypod.org, but not quite yet. But the Instagram has changed, so that's at alleypod um, on Instagram. Yeah, I hope you guys have a great New Year.